Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. One of my favorite stories of what faith means comes from uh, many, many years ago. Uh, they found a letter in the Armagosa Desert. Uh, the letter was found in a baking powder can. It was tied to the handle of a pump. And the letter went like this. The pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it and it ought to last five years. But the washer dries out and the pump has got to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and the cork end up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but uh, not if you drink it first. <laughs> pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. Then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking up the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. Now, if you were a traveler walking through the Armagosa Desert, where there's not a lot of water, not a lot of wells, not a lot of pumps, and your canteen is dry, and you're reading this story, and you know there's water there, you're thirsty, you know there's water under the rock, would you drink the water or would you prime the pump? Desert Pete says, prime the pump. Do you trust Desert Pete? This could be a scam, this could be a hoax, this could be a death sentence if you have no water. Have faith in Desert Pete. Why should I? In our sermon series in the Gospel of Mark, Mark has labored to call us to faith in God. He's labored story after story, calling us to put our trust in Jesus Christ. He tells us again and again why we should believe in Jesus, have faith in Jesus. He's told us story after story about Jesus being all-powerful and almighty. Jesus has control over nature. We saw that when Jesus commanded the wind to cease and he told the sea to be still. Jesus has power over the demons, the evil forces in this world. Today we come across a text where Mark is laboring again. The Spirit is calling us to believe in Jesus because He has the power over sickness and death. We are called to have faith, not in some desert peat, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of who He is. Because of His power. Because of His authority. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ today? Are you trusting Him right now in your circumstance, in your situation, in your troubles? Are you believing in Jesus or not? Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark chapter 5 verse 21. 
we are called to faith. Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, had suffered much under many physicians, spent all she had, was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had got out from, from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you? Can't you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what he said, uh, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and they went into where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. He strictly charged them that no one should know this, and, and, and he told them to give her something to eat. Accounts of faith, accounts of belief, accounts of trust in Jesus Christ. You've been with us the last few weeks. If you have, you know that Jesus is uh, traveling back and forth over, over the lake, the Sea of Galilee. He left the northern shore. He went to the southeastern shore. There's a great storm that arose, threatened everybody, threatened to destroy everybody in the boat. Jesus rebuked the wind, waves, and, and they were safe. Went over the other side, and there he met a demon-possessed man. Somebody that was in agony, somebody who suffered a long time, somebody that had no hope, a hopeless situation. Once again, Jesus set the man free. He crosses back over the lake, having sent out the man as a missionary to the Gentiles of Decapolis. Jesus knows what he's doing, even when we don't understand what he's doing. 
he comes to this, uh, this place, and, and the people gather around him, and there's Jairus, the synagogue leader. Now, a synagogue was a place where uh, the, Jewish, the Jewish people would meet on the Sabbath for worship. Uh, during the week, there would be instruction, instruction in the Torah, instruction in the law. A synagogue leader was somebody who was in charge of the order of worship on, sun, uh, on Saturday. He put together the, the, the hymns, he put together the, the, the who preached, he put together the readings of the day. During the week, he would make sure that the, the synagogue was open, that everything was taken care of. He was a very, a very respectable position in the different villages of Israel. Okay, so someone who is dignified and honored. And um, but like every one of us, there comes a point of desperation in life. There comes a point where things aren't as easy as we thought they, they should be or we, we hope they would be. When life gets difficult and challenging and we are not in control. He has a problem. His daughter is dying, and, and the, it doesn't really come out in the text here, but the word is there. She's on the edge. She's on the brink. It's an immediate situation, an emergency situation. And he does what he only knows what to do. He's heard of Jesus. He's heard of his power. He's heard of his might. He's heard of his authority. And, you know, many of the synagogues were run by Pharisees. The Pharisees were really strong in their conservative nature, and they really supported the synagogue work. And so maybe there was pressure on the Pharisees not to support Jesus. You know, he, they didn't think he was from God, etc., etc. But this man is desperate. This man, he goes to Jesus when he sees him. He falls on his knees before Jesus, a very humble position. He begs him. He doesn't just beg him. He earnestly begs him. My daughter's dying. Come lay your hands in her so she will get well and live. So it's a fascinating picture of faith. A fascinating, a fascinating moment in, in history. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've cried out for your children. Maybe you've cried out for your situation. Maybe not. Maybe you haven't acted in faith yet. And trust in Jesus. Um, he, he's heard of Jesus. He, he knows some information about Jesus that he, he's healed. He's heard it in, in, in the local, you know, gossip column or whatever, he, he, he's heard about the stories of Jesus, and so when he's in desperation, he takes that knowledge, and he has a choice whether he's going to act on that knowledge or he's going he's to not act on that knowledge. He decides to act on the knowledge, and he goes and requests that Jesus save his daughter. Picture of faith. A picture of a believing faith. He doesn't go, and, and he's, he, he's, he's, he's not uncertain of what's going to happen. He, he believes, he trusts he knows that Jesus can do it. And so Jesus leaves with him, and he, he, on the way, we don't know how far the walk is to, to Jairus' house. Um, we don't know uh, the journey, what it's gonna, how long it takes. But on the way, another story arises. There's a woman who, uh, you know, a faceless woman, a, a nobody woman, you know, that we, we, never, we never understand, or we never enter our mind, really, uh, hundreds of millions of women around the world that go through things every day that are so difficult and so challenging, and, and she's one of, the, one of the people that God cares about. Uh, she's, she's had an issue for 12 years, uh, a uterine issue apparently, maybe a chronic hemorrhage in her womb, uh, but she's suffering. She's been in pain and suffering for 12 years, and, and worse than that, you know, she sought out help. She sought out help from people that really couldn't help her. Back in the day, you know, the, the medical knowledge wasn't great. There was all kinds of different remedies that have no, no basis in, in, um, in helping people. But spent a lot of money. In fact, she spent everything she owned trying to get well. She wanted to get well. 
she got worse. So here's this broke woman, this impoverished woman, who's in pain and suffering, and she's just getting worse. And in Israel during that time, if you have this issue, if you have this condition, you're like a leper. Okay, you're not meant to be with anybody. You're unclean, ritually unclean. You're not meant to go to the synagogue. You're not meant to go to the Jewish temple. You're not meant to go anywhere. You stay separated from people, isolated people, until you're healed. Until God deems you clean. And uh, there's a lot of processes. There's a lot of things that work. You can read about it in Leviticus. Maybe that could be something you do this afternoon, read the book of Leviticus. But just kidding. But you, you could maybe go there and read about some of the uncleanliness laws or the holiness laws. God, Yahweh, when, when God, Yahweh's in your midst, there's things that you need to get clean from and removal of sin. And that's why Jesus is so wonderful. His sacrifice on the cross. He's made us acceptable through His sacrifice. Though we're sinners, though we're broken, though we're evil and we act in wicked and evil ways, Jesus has saved us and cleaned us and made us acceptable to God through our faith in Him. And so all those Old Testament laws of holiness and cleanliness, man, we don't have to worry like, like this woman does. She, and so she's socially isolated. You see all the things that are adding up. In pain and suffering, no money, no hope, no, no community. Nobody would touch her. She's like the leper. You know, no one's going to marry her. No one's going to call her name. No one's going to approach her. She's unclean. And so she's seemingly doomed, just like the little girl. Her prospects look dim. This woman's prospects look especially dim. Continued isolation and suffering and brokenness. And yet she hears of Jesus Christ. She hears of one who is healing people, rescuing people, saving people. And she acts in faith. She uh, breaks out of her comfort zone. She breaks out of her fear. She breaks out of her anxiety. She breaks out of her loneliness. And she, she knows that Jesus has come to town. And she, you can imagine what courage it took to take such a risk. If people who know her condition, people know her standing, see her in the crowd, she's going to face rebuke, even physical violence. And for her to go up and touch a rabbi, for her to move through the crowd and, and, and then reach out and touch a holy man in their, in their con context and connotations all involved, she's risking a lot, maybe beatings, maybe further isolation. And yet, she's heard of Jesus. What, what, what is faith? You hear, you get a knowledge of, of somebody or something. You, you decide whether you're going to act on that knowledge. You're going to move forward in that, in that belief. And she decided she was going to reach out and touch Jesus. Now, there's a little bit in, in the culture of the day. We've seen it before in Mark, back in chapter 3. People thought they, there, there's a little bit of superstition involved. With, in, in their day, there's the holy man, you know, if he's holy, if he's from God, if he's a godly man, maybe even his garments are holy. And so if you just touch his garments, you'll be healed. And, and God in his grace, God is, God in his, his, uh, his, you know, understanding people and the settings they're in and their, their lack of all kinds of information, he worked with, with some of that faith. She told herself, man, if I, if I just touch him, he's going to heal me. That's faith. That's belief. Not, not some kind of, well, maybe he might. I don't know. I guess I'll throw a prayer up today. It might, couldn't hurt anything. It's faith to believe that God wants to heal. Faith to believe that God wants to save. Faith 
to believe and trust that he wants to deliver and rescue and to act on that faith and ask for his healing, ask for his rescue, ask for his deliverance. It's a big deal. And this woman exemplifies faith. That's why Mark tells her story. She uh, reaches out. And so Jairus and, and the woman, they, they're both, uh, they've heard, they, they have a need, they've heard, they, they, they decide where they're going to act, and they both act, they both go to Jesus in their own way, in faith. I want to show you the next uh, little passage here, just to contrast, uh, because Mark wants us to see this. If you look at Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, verse one what, what is the problem of not having faith? In the midst of your, your struggles, in your context of hurting today, or suffering today, or being in bondage today to an addiction, or something like that, what is the problem of not having faith? What is the problem of unbelief? Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He went away, Jesus went away from there after, after he healed the little girl. And he came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. You see, they, they took offense at him because he was a local boy. He's a hometown boy. He's an ordinary man, just like them. And so they're asking the question, man, where did he get this? And basically, the, there's only two answers to where did he get this. Either it came from the devil or it came from God. In their worldview and their understanding, evil, evil, it either came from evil forces, from spiritual forces, not benevolent forces, evil forces, or it came from God. And they're rejecting, his hometown people are rejecting that he, because he was one of them, he got it from God. They despised him. They, they couldn't handle it. And so they, they insult him. When you say, in, in the Jewish culture, what you say, the son of the father... Son of Jonah, or son of Benaniah, or whatever. So it's really an insult when you say son of Mary. They're, they're putting him down, in other words. They don't want anything to do with him. And so in verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. He could not do, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So there's a few people who believed and trusted and asked him to heal them. He marveled because of their unbelief. Now, it's not that he didn't have the power. The Father's power was in him. The divine resources were in him. He wasn't lacking in that. The problem was that the channel of the grace was shut down. For, for whatever reason, for whatever way that God, in God's economy, the way he works, he calls for people to act in faith in response to him or, or their, 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 their needs, to bring their needs before him. He wants us to act in faith. It, it's, Jesus marveled at their unbelief, marveled at, at their lack of faith. And strange, you know, we, we read that and said he could do no mighty work there. Wow. The contrast between Jairus and the woman and the people of Nazareth was... Faith, 
Some had faith, some did not have faith in Jesus. And you know, as we read through Mark, and I hope you've, you've really grown in your understanding of, of the Gospel of Mark, faith is so important to Mark. I mean, he's always talking about it. He's, remember, when, remember when the paralytic was lowered down through the roof before Jesus, and, and, and Jesus saw their faith, the collective faith of the man, and he said to the, to the paralytic, man, your, your sins are forgiven. Mark, Mark brings those kind of stories again and again because he wants us to believe that God Almighty is present in the Son of God. He has all power and all authority, and he calls us to trust him, to have faith in him. But sometimes it's not so easy to believe in somebody you can't see. Sometimes it's not so easy to believe in someone that you don't know or Maybe you're not aware of his character or his, or his uh, abilities or his attributes. And so Mark has, again, brought to us again and again, Jesus is all-powerful, he's almighty, he's the Son of God, he can do anything. Will you believe in him? Will you trust him right now? And so in the, in the, in the setting of Mark, of course, in the, the, the gospel is written to a group of people who are suffering and a group of people who are under attack from Nero from the government, and he's calling them to believe in their God, believe in Jesus Christ, no matter what is happening, to entrust themselves to him through persecution, through suffering, through attack. What about you? Are you a person of faith today? A person who is trusting Jesus for that and that and that? The Nazarenes... They saw his power. They testified of his miracles. They, they saw miracles from his hand. Sometimes we say to ourselves, man, if I could see a miracle, then I'd just believe. No, that's not necessarily the case. God throughout the scriptures does all kinds of miracles. The demons don't believe. The demons don't trust. All different peoples don't trust. All, all different kinds of peoples don't believe. They, they, the Israelites didn't even believe sometimes, have faith in the God that they saw deliver them from Egypt. And yet there's some who believe in the great God and Savior Jesus Christ and they have faith that He can do anything. They have faith that He can rescue and save even them, even today. So back to the, the woman. She reaches out and immediately she touches the garment and immediately her blood flow stops and she knows immediately that she's healed. And she intends to just drift away. But Jesus, and this is, this is kind of a wild picture, a wild situation. Uh, Jesus, he, he knows someone touched him. He felt power go out from him. <laughs> now, did Jesus heal her? How was she healed? I, I think, you know, sometimes we, we look at Jesus, and, and sometimes in the Gospels, Jesus seems omnipotent. He seems omniscient, like he knows all things, he can do all things. But we remember that when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and He became incarnate, He became subject to the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. He became obedient to the Father. And so He stayed God, He was still God, but there's a, a, somehow a setting aside of His, of his powers, entrusting Himself to God. And so there's times when, when God clearly gives Jesus insight into super, you know, supernatural insights and things. There's other times where Jesus doesn't really know what's, all this happening. And so He, he knows someone touched Him, and he, so He turns around and He says, Who touched me? Because he wants to talk to her, or him, whoever touched him. 
And the woman, why, why is she afraid? Well, again, man, it, it, she, she knows that she could get rebuked. She knows she could get run over here. She, knows that she doesn't know all of Jesus' character. She doesn't know he's kind. He doesn't know he's good. He, she doesn't know he's loving. She doesn't know that he came to redeem her and save her. And so she, she's, she's a little bit hesitant to go before the rabbi. He might, he might rebuke her and run her over. It's just a beautiful moment. And, and this is kind of a sideline. Uh, sometimes we, we struggle with confession. But you guys, confession is such a wonderful thing and such a beautiful thing. My son and I were talking the other day about, uh, um, about all the struggles that, that, uh, in, in the church, in, in the community, but in the church in general with pornography. And all the, all the struggles that young men these days have and old men have sometimes these days with pornography and how sometimes when people get stuck in an addiction, stuck in problems, stuck in certain settings, how they, 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 they don't go to grace. They, they, they don't remember that they're redeemed and they're saved. They, they, don't, they don't go to God with confession. A lot of young men that my, my son deals with in his ministry, they, 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 they beat themselves up for four or five days like, oh, I'm such a loser, I'm such a, I'm such a jerk, I, I failed, but I, I can do better, I can do better. Instead of going immediately to Jesus with confession, acknowledging that we can do nothing apart from God's grace, but confession, this woman, man, she, she's, she's fearful and, and she doesn't want to confess, but she tells the whole truth. And, and what does Jesus do for her? He gives her peace. He says, daughter, go in peace. Be freed from your affliction. And it's just a beautiful picture. Now, she's not necessarily sinning here, but you see what the point. Man, whenever we sin, whenever we do something that's not right with God, we want to go to Him immediately. Right? We're not in a, in a works track. We, we don't earn our salvation. We, we don't, we don't uh, build ourselves up and make ourselves strong and, and work out our salvation alone. We come grace and we receive grace immediately. God's forgiveness immediately. And it's so freeing and it's so wonderful to know the truth that I am saved and I'm redeemed. You're saved, you're redeemed. You're forgiven by Jesus and Jesus alone by His work on the cross. And you claim it there. You depend on Him there whatever you're going through. Don't stay unconfessed. Don't stay far from God. Don't stay in unforgiveness. Move, move to Jesus immediately after you sin and feel the release of truth that you're saved by grace alone, not by your works, that you're received and accepted by God through grace alone, by Jesus' work, not your own. And so stop fighting and stop striving to be something you cannot be. So justification and the sanctification. But this woman, she's set free. And what a moment for her. Can you imagine, though? Jairus? How long has this detour taken? I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, Jairus is witnessing something great. She's, she's told her testimony. She said, I, 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 I was in trouble. And it must have been embarrassing for her, humbling for her as a woman in Israel to speak out like that. But she told her story. What a picture of faith. She trusted. She believed she was healed. She was set free. And Jairus, man, he's standing there. My daughter, come on, my daughter. And sure enough, as Jesus is talking to the woman, servants come from his house and say, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Now Jesus overhears it. And, and this is where it gets really interesting. Jesus says to him, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only have faith. 
Now, what's the guy going to do? He knows that his daughter's dead. What's the guy going to do? He's just seen this woman give this beautiful testimony of what God did for her. And, and so basically Jesus is saying, hey, you see this, this woman here? She acted in faith in me, now I want you to act in faith in me too. I want you to trust me in this. And so Jairus, he goes with, uh, with Jesus. He goes with Jesus to the house. Jesus takes a few of his, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and he arrives and there's a commotion. And, and you know, the commotion, Jesus kind of mocks it. What, what's happening there? Uh, in, 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 back in the day, they didn't wait to bury people. As soon as word got out that a death happened, they would bury them awful quick. But you, you realize that in, in back, in, back in Israel during the time, uh, mourners were hired to, uh, it, it was an expected part of the, of the deal for people to get paid to weep and wail. And so Jesus is mocking that a little bit. Uh, as soon as, as, soon as the, you know, some people had a sideline, they had a, a, li a little sideline, a little job on the side. Whenever they heard someone died, they'd run to their house and they'd start weeping and wailing in hope of, of being paid by the household. It was kind of like you, you surrounded your, your grief by others grieving with you, and that way the community grieved. And, but it turned into this institution. It turned into this pay system. <laughs> and Jesus is, why all the commotion? And when he says to the people, man, why, the child's not dead. She, <laughs> she's asleep. He's, he doesn't mean that she's you know, just, just passed out. He doesn't mean that she's in a coma or something. He's using the metaphor of sleep to describe that she is in a temporary situation. Okay? He's there to heal her. And so it's a, it's a kind of a testimony to his power and his authority. He doesn't tell him the details, but he says, just watch. She's just asleep. It's, she's just in a temporary situation. He goes into her and takes her by the hand. Remember when Peter's mother-in-law was sick? When they went into his house and she took, he took Peter and mother-in-law by the hand and lifted her up and, and she served him? Here he does the same thing. Talitha kum, little girl, I say to you, Aramaic, the, the common language of the day, Aramaic, he said, Talitha kum, rise. And she did, coming back from the dead. It's an amazing, amazing miracle, amazing, amazing story of salvation and rescue by the power of God. We are called to have faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what situation, no matter what scenario you're going through right now, whatever brokenness, whatever hardship, whatever challenge, whatever ugliness that's in your life, we are called to bring this to Jesus. We are called to bring it to Jesus and trust Him for the impossible. To have faith in Him. For the impossible, he can do all things. Sometimes, God heals immediately. Sometimes, God heals providentially, meaning when we bring our, our needs and our sufferings and our brokenness to Jesus, sometimes he uses people. Sometimes this providential healing comes through doctors and counselors and church members. Sometimes healing is a process. Sometimes it's 20 years. Sometimes it's 30 years. I told you last week about Elizabeth and, and our prayers for healing for her, for some of her autoimmune illness. And, and I can testify to you that over the last few years, 
God's been very gracious to her and she's gone off a lot of medications, but it's not done yet. Sometimes it's a process healing. Does God always heal? Well, in one sense, I can say yes, God always heals because one day in your suffering, in your brokenness, in your disease, you're going to die as a Christian and go to heaven. <laughs> one day there will be a final release and a final healing. And maybe your suffering will go on until you die, but God does ultimately always heal the Christian. Hmm. But why do we have in the short term people that aren't healed? Sometimes we just don't know. We come to God in faith. We ask in faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Faith is the belief that it's going to happen. Faith is the belief that there's going to be healing. But sometimes it doesn't happen in our timeline. Why? We don't know. God sometimes doesn't tell us. His will is hidden sometimes. Other times, God has purposes that we know, we come to know over time. A famous story of that, a famous uh, example of that is the Apostle Paul. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? I won't take the time this morning to read it. Remember when he had the thorn in his flesh, a, we think a physical malady, and three times he prayed to God that he could be released to that. And God said, no, my power is perfected in weakness. Three times he asked for healing and God said no. And Paul's understanding of it, he came to realize that because he had seen great visions, he was taken to the third heaven. He saw things other people couldn't see or, or, or never see until they get to heaven. He said, man, God gave me that thorn in the flesh to keep me from pride. It was a gift of suffering to keep him from being prideful and arrogant. God gives gifts of suffering and pain sometimes because he has a purpose behind it. We know from James chapter 1 and in Romans chapter 5 that troubles and hardships and difficulties are used by God to change us and transform us and mature us and grow us. Sometimes God says no and He allows us to stay in our suffering and our brokenness because He has a good end and a good outcome for us. Man, if you've prayed in faith, if you've come to God in faith, and you've trusted in faith, and you still are in your, your situation, you're still in your addiction, you're still in your, your hopeless, seemingly hopeless circumstances, not hopeless, but you've got to trust that God knows what He's doing. That He's good, and He loves you, and He cares for you, and He has you no matter what. Now, sometimes uh, God doesn't heal. <laughs> uh, there's sometimes when God doesn't heal because uh, the Word says there's sin in our life, unconfessed sin in our life. God doesn't heal when there's unconfessed sin in our life. Uh, there's times when we aren't praying by faith. right? God, For whatever reason, God thinks faith is very important. We, we, we don't pray by faith. We don't ask in faith. You know, Faith is an incredible thing. Where does faith come from? It comes from God. So it's a gift, and yet we're called to exercise faith and believe in faith. But uh, why, why does God think faith is so important? Because faith, when we have faith in God in our situation and trust Him for things, it glorifies Him. Faith uh, means we're relying upon Him. Faith means we're trusting Him. Faith means we're putting our hope in Him and not on ourselves, not on our own power, not on our authority and our ability. Faith that believes glorifies God. And so God loves faith and He expects faith. Sometimes we aren't healed because you have not because you ask not from James. We don't ask. I mean, is, wouldn't that be tragic if, if you had a situation where God wanted to heal but you never asked? I think it happens all the time. 
We can come to God knowing that He wants to deliver us. That's the whole story of the Bible. The story of Abraham and the patriarchs. It's the story of Moses in Israel. It's the story of Jesus. God could have left this world in sin. The sin that you've committed, the sin that I've committed, the sins of this world. This world is broken and ugly and in so many ways torn apart. God could have said, I'm done with it. I leave it behind. But God, the whole story of the Bible is the story of redemption of God coming to redeem. God coming to make whole. God coming to rescue. And God one day will make all things new. The story of redemption is complete one day when the kingdom of God comes. So we know He wants to deliver. He wants to rescue. He wants to set the captives free. So we can go to Him in faith and believe and trust. If you are a non-Christian here today, if you know that you're not a believer in Jesus Christ today, I have a word for you. If you haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you haven't turned your faith in Him and asked for forgiveness of sins, if you know because of your sinful nature and your sinful actions that you are condemned by God, you know that you're going to be judged by God because of your sins. You know that you're going to be left out of heaven because you're a sinner who's rebelled against God and has hated God. The Bible says to have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went to the cross to die in your place, to pay for your sins, to take the judgment of God upon you, the wrath of God that you so richly deserve. Jesus went there to die for you and to save you. The Bible calls you to have faith in what Jesus did so you won't have to pay for your sins. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe, believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead. Confess with your mouth that He died for you, that He trusted Himself to the Father. He went in the place of you for deliverance and rescue for salvation. Man, you can be saved today by faith in what Jesus accomplished on the cross, shedding of His blood, dying that cross for you, a substitute, a sacrifice for you. Trust in Him. Have faith in Him today and you can be saved from hell. Now, believers, Christians, you are called to faith. You're called in your situation, in your addiction, in your suffering, in your malady, in the evil that you're going through, the, the troubles and tribulations, the trials, whatever it is. These kind of scriptures are not here for window dressing. These kind of scriptures aren't here to say, wow, that's a cool story. doesn't apply to me. Absolutely applies to you. You're called to have faith. You're called to bring it to Jesus. You're called to trust Him with it. You've heard of Jesus. You see His power. You, now you know of His authority, of His wondrous working power. And you're called to bring it to Jesus, to reach out to Jesus, to ask Him to heal, to ask Him to deliver, to ask Him to save you, to live by faith right now. Have you? Are you asking? Are you trusting? And we as believers... We're called again and again. The, the, the scriptures, man, the impetus of Mark is turn to Jesus with what you have. Turn to Jesus and trust Him. Keep praying. If He doesn't heal immediately, trust Him. If He doesn't heal in the next year, trust Him. If He doesn't deliver in the future, trust Him. 
He saves. Sooner or later, you will know the power of God in your life. You will be delivered. You have faith. Give Him your life today. Trust your life to Him today. He is the Savior. Please stand in His presence. If you would like someone to pray with you after the service, the deacons will be down here. If you want to talk more about this, uh, send me an email, call me, give me a text. I'd love to dialogue more about this with you. But Heavenly Father, we go out in faith. We go into our life by faith. We leave here today by thank, thank, thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for allowing us to praise you. Thank you for allowing us to worship you. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate what you've done. Thank you for allowing us to remember the cross where the price was paid. Thank you for letting us entrust our sins to you again and ask for forgiveness again. Thank you, Lord, for letting us worship you today. Be magnified in our life. Thank you for calling us to be a people of faith. May we, by your grace and by your power, be a people of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.